1: Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I found something. Twenties, black, sexy. Oh, no. Oh, this sounds horrible. Oh, tell me! It's for a hooker named Big Butt Bertha who's as wide as she is horny. Is perfect! Oh, girl. No, it's not.
0: Hey, y'all, and welcome back to Represent. I'm your host, Aisha Harris. So I've got some exciting news, which is that we'll be switching things up a bit and coming at you more frequently as the show progresses and we get into the groove of things. Some episodes will work like the majority of the ones we've shared with you all so far, including some fun chatter with guest hosts at the top of the show. And others will be shorter mini-episodes, kind of like my timely discussion with Larry Wilmore following the cancellation of The Nightly Show. Today, the latter is exactly what you're going to get. If you've watched MTV's Girl Code, Maria Bamford's Lady Dynamite, or any other number of comedy shows and web series from the last few years, you may be familiar with comedian Nicole Byer. Now, she's taking the lead in her own semi-autobiographical new sitcom, Loosely Exactly Nicole, which premiered earlier this week on MTV. We chatted about the show and some of the minor controversy it stirred, as well as frustrating casting calls and Leslie Jones and the perils of being a Black female comedian on social media. Hope you guys all enjoy. So I am very pleased to uh, say that today I have joining me Nicole Byer, the comedian, actress, Woo-hoo! writer, lots of different, uh, lots of different things. The first thing I have to ask you, because uh, as we recorded this, we're a few days removed from the VMAs. You were there, you were doing a little bit of hosting Mm -hmm. and chatting in between the performances, and I saw that you tweeted that you met Beyonce and you talked to her.
1: Well, I didn't get to meet her, meet her. I wasn't like, hello, I'm Nicole. Hello, I'm Beyonce. And I was like, I know. Mm -hmm. But uh, she was walking to get her award, and when any... Very famous person was walking through the hallway. A bodyguard would demand that we would scream at us to get against the wall so she could have an unobstructed, you know, uh, walk to the stage. Of course. Yeah. Also, she has, like, a, I guess, a cinematographer or videographer. I don't know the term. I guess it would be a videographer, like, videotaping her, I guess, in case of a documentary or something. Mm-hmm. And you need her, like, wave for her to, like, walk back. Um also Beyonce is surrounded by black women which is I like she employs so many black women which like ah. makes my heart burst with joy. Yes. It's beautiful to see her surrounded by black women. It's beautiful that she loves being black and she's literally telling us like like just saying it. So uh, I love it. Mm-hmm. But um so as she was walking she was, like, getting her award, and I said to uh, my either my floor producer or, like, someone from MTV, I was like, when she walks back, I'm just going to stick my head out and smile at her. <laughs> and they are like, okay. So I did it, and I just couldn't help myself. I was like, you're such a treat. <laughs> and then she giggled and touched my shoulder, said thank you, and giggled again. And I was like, I made Beyoncé giggle? Aww. What a treat. <laughs> Obvi- like, the moment in my head is so much bigger than it actually was.
0: No, I imagine it was. But it was... It was-
1: very nice.
0: Yes. Ah, oh, yeah, that, that sounds like a it was great story. So wonderful. So wonderful.
1: And I can't wait till we're like, actually friends and I'll tell her about it. And she'll be like, I can't believe you were geeking out that much. And I'll be like, I know, B, I know. Isn't that stupid? And then she'll be like, let's jump off this yacht. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I love it. Um, so can you just
0: tell me a little bit about how you got to where you are now? Like sure. what what drew you to comedy in the first place?
1: Um, when I was little, I used to just say whatever I wanted, and my grandmother would always go, "Oh, you tickle me." She's from Barbados, so like she I don't know talks differently than people who were born here. Mm-hmm. And uh, when she says you tickle me, that means you made me laugh. And she'd always, like, chuckle at the end of it. And then my goal would be to get her to say that as many times as possible on, like, our visits. So then um, I wasn't, like, actively pursuing comedy. I wanted to be an illustrator, but I can't draw, so that's an issue. (laughs) Uh, So I think it was sophomore year of high school, my mother was just like, why don't you try out for the play? You're very loud and you've got a lot of energy. This might be good for you. And I was like, okay. So I tried out for the play, and it was... Several shorts from Christopher Durang, Mm. and it was a because the drama program at my school was so big, Mm. (laughs) uh, it was a good way to get like more kids involved. So I auditioned, and I got uh, a role just called DMV person in a short called DMV Tyrant, where it is just the drama being at the DMV and I'm just not helpful. And I got so many laughs that first night. I was like, oh, I want to perform. And then that like sophomore year of high school is when I was like, I want to be an actress. So then I went to an acting school for two years and then I was trying to like get on Broadway and win some Tonys, but your girl can't sing
0: <laughs> well, or dance. you don't have to sing and dance to win a Tony.
1: No, but I'm also not an ingenute. I'm not like a, mm. a beautiful, thin woman who's looking for someone to help her. And I'm also not like old enough to play the strong mama role. That's what I would be. I'd be a someone's strong mama. Mm-hmm. I'm not old enough for any of that yet. So I'd have to like truly like write something for myself if I wanted to be in like a Broadway show. Because um, my my type truly, I don't think exists unless you sing and dance. Like the color purple, yeah, plot me in there, but I can't sing. That's so true. Um, the
0: whiz, you can, yeah, you
1: know. You can plot me in all these. Like I, I work in Dreamgirls. I, I could be Effie. Mm-hmm. I can't sing. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair, if you know your yeah. limits. <laughs> um, so then, like, in school, I would do, like, dramatic scenes, and people would laugh. So then I was like, oh, maybe comedy is something that I want to pursue. And then I started pursuing comedy, and then I, like, made a choice. I was like, I only want to do comedy for right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe in a couple of years or something, I'll try to do drama, but, like, for now, comedy.
0: So in terms of... You know, you mentioned you if you wanted to be on Broadway, you would have to write it for yourself. Uh, So far, has a lot of what you've been doing, writing for yourself up to the point where we're at now.
1: Um, Yes and no. Uh, girl Code, I mean, that's on me. Right. And then, like, the bit parts I've done have been, you know, stuff that was written. Like, I did a couple of things on, like, Birthday Boy Show on IFC and Maria Bamford Show and just, like, things here and there. And then I was on a show called Party Over Here. Rest in peace! Fox <laughs> canceled us! Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was stuff that was written for me mm-hmm. by a team of writers. And then... um I had a web series with my friend called The Pursuit of Sexiness that we wrote. And uh, yeah, so it's like a lot of it is writing a lot for myself. Like To get started, you should write for yourself because if if you want a job, someone should be able to Google you and find you acting Mm -hmm. or find you doing comedy or find you doing anything. So that's what we tried to do. And then I made a video called Be Blacker that got passed around a little bit. And and what people,
0: was what was that about?
1: Oh, so that was about um, casting directors asking me to be blacker, or like, uh, yeah. and just saying like be blacker. And then we like improvised. Uh, she was like Spike Lee, black, like different kinds of blacks. <laughs> and then I leave the room. And she's like, "That's the blackest we've seen all day." It's my friend Lauren, and she's she's on Kimmy Schmidt now, and she was so funny in that part. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like it was. That's what you should be doing, just, like, putting content out there.
0: Yeah. Was that something that you sort of had to figure out as you went along, or was it something you sort of knew right away? No,
1: nobody fucking tells you anything when you want to be an actor. Yeah. in acting school, we practice doing cattle call auditions. I've never been to a real-life cattle call audition.
0: <laughs> really? I Well...
1: Where you step out <laughs> yeah. and say, like, your name. You're like, I like tacos. Like, it's yeah. wild. So, like, yeah. I learned everything I know about comedy at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater, which is also called UCB. UCB was like, this is a place where... There's like-minded people who want to do things that you want to do. And then, like, you'd start performing, you'd, like, really perform, and you get, like, really wrapped up in it. And then people would be like, you got to make videos, too. And then you're like, oh, shit, yeah, that's how people see you. No one's coming to see shows unless they've probably seen you, like, in a video or something. Right. Like, people have to vouch for you before other people are, like, on board. Mm-hmm.
0: You've, you've actually done a lot of work with MTV. Uh, yes. In addition to Girl Code, you
1: also did... Uh, I did a show called... Fast, Meal- Food, Hi- Fast, Food, Fast Food, Food Heights. Fast Food Heights. Yeah. Uh, that was when MTV was doing web stuff called MTV Other, but it still lives on YouTube, I think just on MTV's channel. Yeah. Uh, that was so much fun. A uh, show called Philosophy, hosted by Hassan Minaj. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a prank show called Ladylike. And then I would just like pop up and do uh, like weekend brunch things, which would be like they showed all of like Laguna Beach, and then I'd be like in a commercial that's like the drama. Oh my god, let's talk about it. More mimosas, drama, Laguna Beach. Yeah, is is is
0: is UCB? How you sort of got involved with MTV? Or
1: I got involved with like I audition.
0: Okay, <laughs> is it just the? I'm just curious as to how because you do so many different things. So like, how does that work exactly in so, terms of? So
1: um, I let's see. Had a well, I had a general with MTV. A general is just a meeting with an executive at a network. Mm. Uh, and I had a general with this woman named Lauren Zins, who auditioned me for Philosophy to be the host. Mm-hmm. And I remember going through. Like, she didn't have a prompt or anything in her room. She just had the copy written on, a like, a poster board. And I, like, went through it. And I remember her going, that wasn't bad. And I was like, I'm not bad. Ooh. <laughs> it was like, you weren't good, but you weren't bad. And I was like, ooh, what a treat. Because I was still super green. I hadn't done anything yet. Yeah. And then when he got hired, I was like, oh, they went in a real hard, different direction than me. And then they let me be on the show. And then I was like, oh, this is cool. And I was, like, getting my feet wet. And then I had a gentleman with this other woman named Jessica Zalkind. And then... Uh, this woman named Sachi Ezra, who was a producer on Girl Code, called me in for an audition, and then I auditioned with the director, Laura Murphy, and then there was a P.A. Chandler, I remember it, like, I got off a plane and went to this audition, and then I didn't really understand the format of the show, I had seen Guy Code, but I, like, didn't understand the mechanics of how that show was made. Mm-hmm. I didn't know you would sit in a chair and just talk to a producer. And then the audition, I was just like, I don't fucking know. They're like, tell me about Frenemies. And I was like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> I don't know buzzwords. <laughs> like, I don't know. When people tweet things at me like BAY, I had to look up what bae meant. I thought it was short for babe and not an acronym for above all others. Or no. I think it's above, before, before all. Before any others before anything else
0: before all else
1: before see I don't no I, don't know. <laughs> I don't look at what the thought was I'm like why are we calling people that hoe over there that is so rude
0: well yeah yeah
1: eh. no Language. thank you unsubscribe
0: <laughs> Uh. You But now you have your own sitcom on MTV. Yes, I do. Yes, loosely, exactly, Nicole. Yes. And can you tell me a little bit about what the show is about? It's semi-autobiographical, I imagine. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah. Every
1: episode has like a nugget from my life. Mm-hmm. Um, So like an example of that is I booked a commercial that shot in Romania where I played the Nestle Fairy and flew around and was very sassy. <laughs> so we on the show had me book a commercial instead of Les- Nestle, it's Swedish Slumber System Pillows, which was like really fucked up that someone was like, Here, say that a hundred times, Nicole. Because that's what you have to do. <laughs> like, it's like action, cut, action, cut. Yeah. And it was so hard. <laughs> and uh, so in the episode so in real life I wrote a letter to the stunt man a very salacious letter that I was I just talked about his dick and how I wanted it. And then I like read that to one of the writers and then he wrote the episode write book a commercial and then actually give the letter to the person and then like sleep with him and then like other stuff. So like we just like took nuggets and then a writer uses their imagination to fill in the blanks and then there's some episodes that are verbatim my life. Like I wrote an episode about how I quit doing acting for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And started working at a plus-size store uh, that I call Lame Giant. (laughs) Yes. The fat ladies listening will know what store I'm talking about. Also, just a a quick story about Lame Giant. They, like, kind of pressure you to get a credit card when you work there, so I got one. And then I like got myself in debt and then I made a little money and I was like, oh, I should pay off these debts so I wrote them a check that said lame giant
0: <laughs> <laughs> did they cash it?
1: No they sent it back with a letter saying that this was not funny <sighs> this is not the name of their company and then I laughed because I was like I took an effort from someone who was mad <laughs> and then I sent back that check with the real check with that said the real name of the company and then they sent the other check back to me. Because they were so, instead of just shredding it or like throwing it away because no one can cash it because it's not a real company, they just sent it back to me. So then I sent it back to them and I wrote them a letter and I was like, this is funny. And then they sent it back to me. I wish I was still sending it back and forth.
0: (sighs) That escalated very quickly. So
1: quickly. Someone was (laughs) so upset with me. Yeah. Like so upset. Oh, it was so funny. Wow.
0: Uh, okay. Now, now I, I wonder if someone's going to create a lame giant somewhere. I hope
1: so. Come yeah. to the store, a lame giant. <laughs> ho, ho,
0: ho, lame giant. We'll least to
1: do. <laughs> well, I, I want to talk a
0: little bit because, I mean, that's a very, I mean, you're a comedian, but that's a very, like, bold thing to do. <laughs> you are very bold. Uh, and in the show, in the first episode that I watched, and I think it might be the first episode that's airing. You, you paint a your babysitting charge, who's a young Asian boy, mm-hmm. <laughs> in brown, fa- black, brown face, I guess, mm-hmm. in order to go on an audition I and pass pre-
1: him off as my own son. <laughs> yes, yeah.
0: and then and then you also, you also talk of uh, you're auditioning with him. Uh, or you are not auditioning you are reading sides preparing for an audition Mm -hmm. for the role of I think her name is Big Big Butt Butt, Bertha Big Butt Bertha who is as wide as she is horny apparently (laughs) (laughs) and I quote the show Uh so (laughs) obviously there's a lot of like very touchy subject matter going Mm -hmm. on there what are you sort of hoping to accomplish or confront in in this sort of just straight in your face I think it
1: just like starts a conversation because people are like do you really audition for things like that I'm like yeah That's a spot on parody of like an audition that I went on where I just had to, she had this insane name and she was just like, give me my drugs, give up to me. And it's like no shade to, you know, black women who do sound like that and black women who do live that lifestyle, but like, I'm not one of them. And I don't think that that's the only story of a black woman that should be told. So I think it was nice to like shed a light and start a conversation about stuff like that. And then the whole blackface thing, I think, is just really silly. <laughs> it's very silly that a black woman was like, this is okay. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then he says the N-word and, of one part of the episode. And in the sides that we gave him, it said ninja in mm-hmm. case he felt uncomfortable saying it or his mother didn't want him to say it because when kids are on set, their parents are there too. Right. And uh, he looked at it and then made a hard choice to always say the N-word <laughs> during his take. It was the funniest thing and there's so much footage of me just laughing (laughs) and like not being able to continue the scene because he was so funny. This kid is so he's on Fresh Off the Boat. Ian Chen is one of the funny he's so funny. Yeah, yeah. He's just like a natural. And we like bonded by the end, we were just singing Y M C A at one point. So cute. So funny. Nice.
0: There the the funny thing about though your character on the show is that you may part of it I imagine is out of desperation because your character is perpetually broke. Uh-huh. But you're you're actually you're not offended, or at least you don't seem to be offended about going out for these sort of things. Like when you're talking about Big Butt Bertha, you're yes. like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna kill this audition.
1: Yes. Uh Fake TV Nicole mm-hmm. will take anything she'll get. Mm. Real life Nicole has put some standards in her life, mm-hmm. uh, in her career life. I just started doing it in my personal life.
0: Good for you. Leaving
1: all these fucking idiots behind. <laughs> trying to date a man who's a real man with a job. Good, good for you. Uh, but yeah, like I think my character is like desperate. She's like, yes, I'll do anything. I will do anything.
0: hmm So at the Television Critics Association press tour earlier uh, this month in August, Mm -hmm. and I think you probably know where I'm going with this, Mm -hmm. but uh, someone in the audience, apparently one of the critics, pointed out that your two EPs are white, Mm -hmm. and also your two best friends on the show are white, Mm -hmm. and you responded in, in basically saying, you know, the key is that they listen to me. Yes. Can you expand upon that? Like, what what is listening for you? Like, what kind of feedback are you giving them? And- um,
1: when I say this isn't right, this isn't how I speak, I don't like that line, this joke's no good. And they go, okay. And then the next time I see the script, it's changed. It mm-hmm. means I listened and they took my notes. Um, but, like, I also was so taken aback because that man started off that question by, you're a black woman with your own show. That's unusual. And I was like, ooh, we. Someone needs a fucking cookie or something. He's grumpy. Mm. And then went in with the white EP thing. Uh, I was looking for a female showrunner. I didn't care mm-hmm. what color she was. I wanted a woman. Uh, also, there's few black showrunners at the level that MTV wanted someone. And also, my female showrunner, Christine. This is her first time showrunning. So, like, she got my voice. When we talked, she was great. Also, she's had a consistent job since, like, the 90s. Like, she worked on SNL, Third Rock from the Sun, uh, Nurse Jackie. Like, she's worked on things that are just, like, good. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I want this woman who's worked on quality. And then Chioki is a black man who also directed my episodes, who also wrote. Grace is a black woman who's on my staff, and I wrote. And I'm a consulting producer. That's a lot of black people in our room. Mm. Um, And then there was more women than men. We had this other woman, Jackie, another woman, Laura, and then our script supervisor, DC. I think he was a script supervisor. No, a script coordinator. He was a dude, Mm. but like, he's great. And he wrote an episode because he pitched some really solid jokes. Um, And then my white best friend on the show dates a black man. And then um, I think, Devin, the other one, I think he hooks up with someone else who's, like, F. So, like, there's color in the show. Mm -hmm. Um, Jacob was just so good that, like, that's who the character was, and he just happened to be white. And then Jen, we had a hard time. I love Jen, and I'm very happy we have Jen. And Jen was really, 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 really funny in her audition. But we also had a very limited pool. Yeah. Because we started shooting in May. And we started shooting a week before people were released from pilots that didn't get picked up. So we had the smallest pool possible. Yeah. And we saw everybody in Mm. the comedy world. And Jen was truly the funniest of that pool. And that's just how it happened. And I know that might seem like an excuse, uh, but that's just, yeah. Yeah. That's And I'm happy. I'm very happy with the people that we have. And I think if you watch the show, you'd see that there's a lot of color in it. A lady tweeted at me. She was like, "Uh, are the lack of black people in your show because of higher-ups or that you don't hang out with black people in your life? And I was like, you don't fucking know me. My best friend in the world is black. Like, you don't know me. Also... The trailer you watched had a total of five characters in it. Mm-hmm. It's not the whole show. Yeah.
0: Is that is that something you've encountered a lot in terms of just... I don't know what you're like what kind of school you went to when you were growing I up at but all
1: white school.
0: Yeah, yeah. So did I. I. or not all white, but there were significantly more white <laughs> me people. Me and my
1: sister were the only black kids in my elementary school until fifth
0: grade. Wow. Yeah that's kinda like me. There were I, I moved in, in fourth grade and in our entire grade and it was a pretty big school. Mm-hmm. And in our entire grade there were three black people. There were actually more Asians. It's a
1: tough world to live in. Yeah, yeah. Because like, white kids, you're automatically kind of cool because you're black, and then they like you, and they try to take on your effect. Like I wish that was like, my experience. Oh, really? I was, like, <laughs> automatically cool. I was fucking dumb. I was a nerd. I are you? So... My sister's a little bit of in there. Yeah. Uh, but then, like, when you get around black people, you're, like, not black enough. And then it's just, like, what does that even fucking mean? What is, what is, the only, like, black is just the color of your skin? And I think we all walk a pretty similar experience no matter where you grew up. Like, yeah, I grew up around white people, but, like, that doesn't help me when I get stopped by a cop. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm still black.
0: Do you feel... Because I I recently interviewed Larry Wilmore uh, Mm -hmm. after The Nightly Show was canceled, and one of the things he told me was that, you know, back when he was making the PJs, people would ask a similar question that you were asked at TCA, which is, like, do you have black people working on your show? And he's Mm -hmm. like, why don't you ask the people on Friends? Yeah, like, Why do you have
1: white people? Like, where are your black people? Yeah. It's because it's white is the norm, and then if black people, I don't, it's like it's a double standard. Yeah. It's almost as if black people just, we, you never get anything right. You can't do enough, you can't please everybody. And it feels like so many, so few black people get shows. So it's like you gotta speak for everybody and, and lift everybody up. Yeah. I think Lee Daniels does a good job of like, he, his room is peppered with color. Yeah. Which is like, and awesome. not just
0: black people, he has no, Latinos on there. Everybody. Yeah. It's yeah.
1: great. Um, it's, but it is also tough. And then you have to like give people a chance. Like Grace was uh, the writer's assistant on Schumer and had gotten a couple sketches on Schumer but had never staff written on a show. Mm. So, like, we gave her that chance and now she's working at Kimmy Schmidt and then she will be staffed for the rest of her life because she's so fucking funny. But Homegirl had to work for a long time as a writer's assistant. Yeah. Like, people don't realize how many steps it takes.
0: There's so many. And,
1: like, you have to start somewhere... And then, like, when she comes back, she'll be a story editor. So then when she goes back to Schmidt, uh, Kimmy, uh, yeah, Kimmy Schmidt, she'll probably be a story editor. Like, she just has to go up a bunch of ladders, and it's, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. And there's and there's gatekeepers
0: too. And yes, yeah,
1: so there's lots of gatekeepers. There's yeah, a lot. Yeah,
0: and they're not necessarily all conscious of it, but th- no, it it's, happens.
1: It's wild. Yeah, yeah. What is?
0: I mean, you talked a little bit earlier about how you no longer settle in terms of the the rules you're given. Unlike your character on the show, you mm-hmm. are you've reached the point where you are freer. Yeah, I'll get and I'll
1: go, yeah. Oh.
0: yeah, yeah. Like, what what is the last thing? You don't have to say what the name of it was, mm-hmm. but like, what was the last like? Really terrible casting notice or I mean, audition you went on. I mean, it wasn't terrible,
1: but it was like I would have to rap.
0: Mm. I cannot
1: rap. I have no musical abilities, and I didn't love the script enough to learn how to rap. So then I was like, yeah. no, yeah. And they're like, are you sure? And I was like, yes. Uh, but that, like that wasn't that was just like the work involved with something that I felt like would be a little return. It's been a while since I've gotten something that I was like, what the fuck? I did a table read for an insane movie. That, like, made no sense. My character was, like, not a real human being. None of the women were written, like, real human beings. Uh, I won't give you any specifics because they're so specific people would know. Yeah. But it was, like, I read the script and I was, like, I cannot believe that this is even having a table read. And then I get to the table read and there's, like, people funding this. There's produce. And I was, like okay, and then we like went through the table read, and I was just like, yeah, I was right. The way this reads is the way that it is. Because mm-hmm. sometimes you'll read something and then you'll hear it up and you're like, oh, I get it. Okay. Right, right, But uh, yeah, it was wild. And then if that movie comes to fruition, I will unsubscribe. <laughs> thank you, I do not want what I read at the table read. Yeah,
0: yeah. You, um, before Loosely Exactly, Nicole, you are were also earlier this year in the Fox show... Uh, party, party over here, here. which uh, unfortunately lasted only Rest a few episodes. In
1: peace. No, I think all ten, aired, or eight.
0: Yeah, yeah, a few episodes. Yeah, ten. Oh, okay, so a whole season. Aired. Yeah, a
1: whole season aired. Got it. They Fox was very interesting. Um, they kept cutting into sketches, so we like had sketches that were lo- like not longer, but long and enough to fill ten episodes. But then they started cutting into sketches, making five minute sketches, three minutes. So then you have more time in the show. So then we were borrowing from other episodes. So then we had like eight or nine episodes worth of material, and then did like a best of episode. And was like, how do we have a best of? We only have one season. <laughs> this is so. It was very interesting. Um, their standards department is nuts. Mm. Uh, I don't mind saying that, but like they in, wouldn't, in a good way or in a bad? No, in a bad way. way. Like okay. I couldn't say Lord Jesus. I could only say Lord or Jesus. On Fox, you couldn't? I f- yes. I would think Fox, at least Fox used to be way well, looser. if you think about Family Guy, Family Guy goes pretty far, but they're like, that's a cartoon. No one thinks it's real. And then I did a sketch. Yeah. What? a <laughs> Like, what? And then I'm not like shitting on Fox, but like truly I don't, I didn't understand things. And if one of if one of the Fox reps wants to call me and explain it to you, I'm happy to listen. We did one sketch called Ghost Trappers, where I fuck a ghost, and then they pixelated the air when I was blowing it, so it was literally just me like miming a blowjob with pixelation over nothing, mm. which to me was such a funny image, and they said, no, the people at home will think she's sucking a dick, and it's like, well, that's what I'm doing, and it's a ghost, and you can't see it. And why are we responsible for what people think at home when they watch television? And then I was, like, humping in the air, and they're like, that's too sexual. And I was like, how? There's nothing there. <laughs> There's literally nothing there. Yeah. And it was just, it was very wild to hear their reasoning on why some stuff just wouldn't fly. And then they would, like, cut into sketches so much that, like you would be like, well, what is the joke? And it's like, oh, because they edited out a minute of it. So it's very hard to understand it. Was it a half-hour show? It was a half-hour show. Well, okay. what, wait, when, what, it, what aired was not the same.
0: Right. It's, that's interesting just because you, when you think of, you know, Fox aired Mad TV for so many years, and that yeah. show, like, went totally over the yeah. top all the time. Yep. <sighs> um, <laughs> do you – well, to, to give our listeners just to, to sort of – let them know what the show is actually about because it, it, part of it, the way it was advertised and the way it was, was that it was three comedian, female comedians mm-hmm. starring in a sketch comedy show. And yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. And and that was, as the, the guy from TCA, TCA would say, you know, that's rare. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> but do you, did you read, like I, I've watched a few of the sketches and reading the comments, I mean as a woman and as a black woman mm-hmm. I know what that's like like do you feel as though the way it was received and why it didn't connect partially is the fact that it's three women or
1: well i think being three women was working against it wasn't working for us mm. because for whatever reason men get so butt hurt when women do anything I do not know why. The whole female Ghostbuster thing. Uh, I was like, how is this ruining your childhood? <sighs> and if your childhood is solely built on a shitty movie from the eighties, like you need to rethink your life. Yeah. I shouldn't say it's shitty. It's not a shitty it's movie. It's just not
0: that good. It's
1: not it's, overrated. Fun- it's not a funny movie. It's yeah. like Bill it's like a Bill Murray vehicle. Bill Murray's like very charismatic in it, but that that movie's not joke heavy. Yeah. Like there are no jokes. Um I I thought I thought the I thought Ghostbusters was great. I enjoyed it. And I know it didn't make as much money as they were hoping, but like little girls will get to watch that for the rest of their lives and then watch Kate McKinnon in slow motion be such a fucking badass with all of her clothes on. Yeah. She's not rolling around half fucking naked with guns. Like it just it blows my mind. Like men, I don't know what they're so scared of. Women aren't coming to like like do like to, like, I don't know, hurt them or something. It feels like men think we're coming to do something to them. Oh,
0: they totally do. They
1: especially like black women.
0: Mm hmm.
1: Why post Leslie Jones's Shit Everywhere? What does she do to you other than live 48 years of her life, get a movie, get a TV show, and continue to live her life? Why does her existence make someone so angry? they hack into her phone and steal her personal identification stripping her of her basic human rights to have a driver's license to have a fucking passport and to have any fucking pictures she wants like that was such a like a misogynistic racial hate crime that like I feel like we should all still be fucking talking about
0: yeah like
1: sure. it is wild I do not understand why men get so upset when a woman gets a sketch show. Like, I don't, like, all of the interviews we did for it, I was like, how do you feel being a woman in comedy? And I was like, can we stop fucking talking about it? It's just cool to be in comedy. You don't ask men what it's like to be a male in comedy. I did a show that was called, like, The Lipstick something or other, and I was like, we don't call mentors baseball and fucking... Football club tour, like I don't understand why. Yeah, being a woman is so different. Like it's, it's wild. It's really wild to me. I don't know if I answer your question. No,
0: no. But- I, I, mean, I did. I did want to talk about the Leslie Jones things because that that is. I mean, I think to answer your question is to, or to at least uh, ponder the question that you you gave about like why men are so f- mm-hmm. friggin' upset when any woman, especially a black woman. Reaches the heist that she has. It's just that Leslie, you know, it's it's interesting because I feel like people are constantly talking about, like, oh, Bill Cosby. Like, they're, they're trying to tear him down because he's a black man, blah, blah, blah. But then when I look at someone like Leslie Jones, she is being, ter- I think she's being torn down specifically because she's reached where she is.
1: Because she's a, a dark-skinned black woman.
0: She's not. She's and, not what people would no. consider conventionally beautiful. No. She's She's very tall. Yeah. She's boisterous. She doesn't act "quote unquote" ladylike, and it just saddens me. But yet, she seems so ha- like it, it, she she's a seems happy, happy woman, and
1: I really hope that this doesn't break her spirits. Yeah, it's tough to keep getting up when people keep fucking knocking you in the stomach. Yeah, and it's she also like can't do anything right. She made a joke on SNL about how if this were slave time, she would be a breeder. Right, I remember. It's that. a funny, smart joke. That's based in our history. So it's like a bunch of white dudes got butthurt about that. And it's like, well, why? Why are you getting so upset about This is her truth. She's not speaking to you or about you. She's talking about every other big black woman that was a breeder in that time. Yeah. It's true.
0: Well, I think part of that was that it was it was... It was SNL. And SNL is a very still white, culturally white institution. Had yeah. she, had she done that at in, like, you know, whatever... What was that? Comic View and BET? If I she mean, had done that, that she, would have killed. I
1: spoke to her about it. She probably doesn't remember. I went to, like, an, uh, an SNL, like, after party and we were talking about it. And she's like, I've been doing this joke for years. Mm-hmm. And it kills. And I was like, because it's a well-written, well-thought-out, good joke. It's a good joke. Mm-hmm. And Pete Davidson can get on there and talk about... I. I'd suck a dick for a million dollars. Why not? Take care of my family. And it's like... So he, like, why... That's his truth. And it's funny. It's her truth. And it got laughs in the the room. It was funny. Mm -hmm. She's a funny fucking woman. Also, like... The way that, like, people are like, maybe, like, it's not really a hate crime is what some people have said. And I was like, no. What happened to Leslie is... A uh, hate crime, like that is like a to- that's a 2016 hate crime. They
0: targeted her specifically yes, her because specifically, she's black because and Melissa a woman. McCarthy
1: didn't get it. Mm-mm. Uh, Kate McKinnon, Kristen Wiig didn't get anything. Like, uh, like what? Why? It made and she was so funny in that movie and so great. And that was her first, like that's a, one of her first starring roles. Like, if anything, we should be clapping and like lifting her up. Oh man. Whew. Yeah. It makes me so upset.
0: Yeah. I mean, you also I I noticed that you retweeted a bunch of the <laughs> com- comments from the VMAs where you were hosting and yeah. some of the they were mostly mean or just straight up hateful, calling you annoying. Yeah. Like what what is why and 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 how do you deal well, with that? Well,
1: I know my voice is annoying. I don't particularly like it. Um but I had this really awesome opportunity to, like, co-host the fucking VMAs. And then people were saying, like, nasty things. So I was like, I favorited every single one and then retweeted some of the funny ones and then some of the mean ones. And then some people would, like, write back like, man, oh, shit, I didn't know she was going to see that. And I was like, you use my full government name. Like, my <laughs> first and last name. How on, I- all I had to do was... Search my name, or like go through my mentions. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. I think people say mean things for attention, so I gave them a little attention. And I mean, me reading something that's mean isn't gonna ruin my day because, in the grand scheme of things, Rihanna was feet like a foot away from me. Beyonce was walking past me. Drake was over here. Like, I got to be in the same place as all these people who are doing so well, and I got to co-host the fucking VMAs with Kian Peel and Jay Farrow and DJ Khaled. Like, that's incredible. That's so, that's, it it's, It felt wonderful, and I, think like, so thankful to MTV for the opportunity, and it's like, you had to watch me on TV, I don't have to look for these tweets. Mm. But you have to watch me if you want to watch the show. And it's like, and I'm going to keep appearing. And I'm so sorry. (laughs) They're going to pay me. Deal with it. They pay me on top of it. And then I have a show coming out that they paid me to do. And you have, and you're going to watch it. You may hate watch it, but you're going to give me ratings. You may give me another season by hating me. Mm -hmm. And... Comic, uh, comedy is very subjective, and I understand that I'm not going to be funny to everybody. But it's just—it's wild that someone would take the time out of their day to tell you that they hate you. Mm. Imagine if we did that in real life. Imagine if someone walked up to you in the street and goes, "I fucking hate your outfit. Your bra straps are showing. You're ashy, and you look like shit." Well, I'm going to go to my day job at McDonald's. Bye. Like <laughs> it would be so rude. People, like, it blows my mind. And people are like, I don't fucking care. And it's like, why? You should. Why don't you have empathy, you sociopath? Like, you are are a crazy person. Mm -hmm. But, like, truly, imagine if people said the things they say online in real life. It would be so nasty. A lot
0: more people would be injured, that's for sure.
1: Yes! like Fights would just break out in the streets. Like, you said what to me? Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, type it out, you send it away, and like, nobody can touch me in this basement. <laughs> I'm <laughs> telling how I think. Nobody cares, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so my
0: final question for you is a question I, I ask all of my guests, uh, which is I would love for you to... And you obviously are the star of your own sitcom now,
1: (sighs) but it's wild. It's it's a dream fucking come true.
0: Yeah. But I would love for you to think back to something that you were not in that you watched, whether it was a TV show or movie, the most recent experience you've had of watching something else, someone else on screen and thinking, oh, wow, this really speaks to me. This represents sort of my train of thought or Mm -hmm. me as a woman or black woman or just your way of life. Uh,
1: I don't know. When I was watching Stranger Things, I was so jealous that I wasn't a part of that. <laughs> I was like, just let me like be in the background, just being like, I'm here. <laughs> like, I would have been. I loved Stranger Things. It was so good.
0: I still need to catch up with it. I, I haven't. Oh
1: my god, I loved it so much. Those kids were incredible. There were strong female. Like the. Have you seen any of it?
0: No, I haven't.
1: So the little girl in it, Eleven, is this like little girl who's just powerful Mm. she says very little but is a very powerful young woman and i'm so curious to meet her in person because she was she really was astounding but i truly watched that i was like man i'm jealous i'm so (laughs) jealous i'm not in this i would love to be in that uh so duffer brothers they're the creators if you're listening to this please let me be in season two um (laughs) Also, when you watch it, there's a black kid of the group who kind of is the fun stopper and, like, the voice of reason sometimes. And my friend was like, why is he so whiny? And I'm like, because he's a black kid in the 80s hanging out with a bunch of white people. I'm sure every time he comes home, his parents were like, why are you out there with these kids? They do. What to you now?'" And he's just like... My mom's gonna yell at me again. I better tell him we shouldn't do this. Oh, I guess I'll do it. It's, <laughs> it's just like, it's a funny thing to think about. I like, when I watch TV, I'll think about the people you don't see that's in their life. <laughs> it's like his grandmother's probably like, oh, Lord, these white people. Well, there he goes on that bike again. You know, I don't know when I'll see him next. Uh, Uh, I got to do a couple episodes of Maria Bamford's show. If it comes back for a second season, I hope they bring me back. Because working with Maria was such a joy. That's
0: Lady Dynamite. Yes,
1: Lady Dynamite. She is such... A fucking joy. Every day a PA would be like, I like worked I think maybe three days, four days. But PAs would be like, How are you, Maria? And she's like, Good. I mean, I have my own show, so how can I say that I'm anything but good? That's a pretty good impression. Thank you. It's useless. No one will ever ask me to do a Maria Bamford impression. (laughs) I have a bun I I do Emma Stone too. Useless. (laughs) Useless.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming and uh Good luck with the show. Thank you.
1: I'm like holding back a sneeze. That's why my face did that. (laughs) I know I looked insane. Thank you so much.
0: As always, thanks for listening in on us. You can check out Loosely Exactly Nicole on Mondays at 10.30 p.m. on MTV. And you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Megaphone, Stitcher, or any other place you find your podcasts. Represent is produced by the lovely, awesome Berylin Williams. The executive producer of Slate Podcast is Steve Lickteig. Andy Bowers is chief content officer of Panoply. And you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Slate Represent. Music is performed by the awesome San Francisco funk soul band Midtown Social. Until next time.